Hey guys, welcome back to Actually Adultish. My name is Christina Rice and I'm your host. I'm a holistic health coach. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner in training. I'm the creator of the blog, addictedtolovely.com. And I'm also the host of another podcast called Straight Up Paleo. If you like to nerd out on nutrition, you should check that one out too. Thanks for joining in again this week. Very excited because I'm going to do another solo episode right now. I'm warming up to these and I think I'm going to do these a bit more regularly. And today we're going to talk all about blogging. I'm doing a whole podcast about blogging which is interesting. So we'll see how this goes. But first, a few updates. If you're not already in the Facebook group, I would love to have you in there. It's Actually Adultish Podcast Nation. Just search for it on Facebook. Request to join. I'll add you in. We'll become besties. It'll be great. And you can meet other people who listen to the podcast. So that's the situation over there. And the other thing that you could do to help me if you want to help me, is you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes and or Stitcher if you haven't already, or just in general, share the podcast, tell people about it and how much you love it. I I love that. So that would be fun. I am currently recovering from a crazy weekend, my version of crazy, grandma crazy. The Good Fest was last weekend, which I know I mentioned on my last podcast, but this is live real time right now. So it's been a few days and the weekend was really fun. So many of my friends were in town from out of state across the U.S. The weekend was action packed. My friend was staying with me and I was showing her my version of LA. I pride myself on being a very good tour guide. So I was very happy about it, but we were pooped to say the least we were very exhausted and I felt like I got adrenal fatigue just from all of the activity so I needed this week to kind of gist if you don't know what gisting is it's g-y-s-t get your shit together I didn't come up with that you know where I heard that first Kaylin Nicholson she's a youtuber she's awesome I heard her talk about that a while ago and that's what that word means So just get your shit together. That's what I needed to do this week to pull myself together. And it was kind of hard because I had lots of work already planned out, but made it through all fun, all fun things. And now today is the first day where I don't have anything except my own work. I don't have any meetings or clients or anything today, which is rare. So I'm taking today to just and to record this podcast you're welcome. No, I love recording a podcast though. It's fun. Anyways, so the other thing I've been doing, there are a few things I've been doing. After I have a weekend or a week or whatever I'm doing where I'm just all over the place, off my game, maybe traveling. This doesn't happen that often, but I come back and I basically just pick up my routine because my daily routine is pretty darn healthy if you know me at all. So just drinking a lot of water, getting in some movement, or if I'm really tired, not getting in movement and resting, getting a lot of sleep, going back to, quote, 
normal foods that I eat. So in case my digestion is off from all of the weird things I ate before, that helps get things back on track. I just kind of pick myself up and I'm a lot easier on myself. I tell myself I have to go to bed at a certain time. I sleep in. I just kind of take it a bit easier until I pull it together. And I diffuse essential oils because I'm obsessed with essential oils. You know, if you want to get into essential oils, check out my essential oils start guide on my blog. It's thebomb.com. I love doTERRA. And if you want to shop through me, wow, I'm just plugging myself. I wasn't planning this. If you want to shop through me, you can go to bit.ly slash Christina Rice doTERRA. That's my salesy voice. Anyways, going back to the sleep. I've been sleeping extra, extra this week. I think I've, I've gotten eight and a half hours every single night since that. Well, I'm, a, I'm a new woman. If you knew me before a month and a half ago, my max was six to seven hours a night. And now if I have to get at least eight and it's changed my life and my mood and everything. And a big part of this, one of the main pieces is my Somnifix obsession, which is great because they are sponsoring this podcast, which I'm so excited about. And so many of you have been trying your Somnifix and I'm pumped about it. And you guys have been telling me that you're already loving it. That makes me so happy. If you are not familiar with Somnifix, if you're new here, it is basically tape, special tape designed to put on your mouth. So mouth taping for when you sleep. You might think, why would I put tape on my mouth when I sleep? Well, we want to do this because we want to be biohackers and improve our lives. (laughs) Maybe just me. Anyways, you want to do this because it forces you to breathe through your nose, which is actually optimal for health. And this puts us into a parasympathetic state, our rest and digest state, which makes it so that we can have a long, restful night sleep. And if you're like me, that helps you not wake up in the middle of the night. It also helps people who snore. So it was originally thought of to help people snore because basically what happens when you snore is your mouth's open and then your tongue falls back and then all this stuff and then you snore. But I don't have a snoring problem. And this has helped me immensely just sleep through the whole night. I don't wake up anymore. And I have really, really deep REM sleep. I have crazy dreams. I've been debating writing all my crazy dreams down and then maybe sharing them somewhere. But I don't know where that would come in. They're really weird. Also, some of them I actually don't want to share because it might be weird. But it's fine. Anyways, the Somnifix has changed my life. And I'm trying to force everybody to use it because it has just... I mean, I didn't realize before how much this was affecting me. I thought, okay, I get like seven hours of sleep a night. I'm fine. I'm good. You know, get seven to eight. And just that extra hour to hour and a half has made a huge difference in my energy levels throughout the day. I'm actually awake and also my mood. I feel so much happier. And something else I struggle with is just reducing my cortisol levels in general. And this has made a huge impact on this. I mean, I don't need to tell anyone again, I'm sure, but sleep is honestly one of the main pillars of health. And if you don't have your sleep in check, there is honestly almost no point in doing everything else. I've also noticed that just 
working out, my recovery is so much better. So that's a plus too. And I love the Somnifix mouth strips because they're they're especially designed for this. So first of all, they're hypoallergenic. They don't hurt when you take them off in the morning. It's not like ripping off a Band-Aid. It doesn't hurt at all. It also has this little breathing vent in it. So if you need to, you can kind of part your lips and breathe through it. You're not suffocating in there. It's honestly amazing. I put it on every night and the one night I didn't, I woke up feeling like a pile of crap to be quite honest. So that happened. Anyways, I seriously love this. I think this should be mandatory for everybody to use. It's like sleep hygiene. It's like how everybody needs to brush their teeth before they go to sleep. If you don't, you should. That's gross. You, everybody should wear mouth tape unless you have a medical condition where you physically cannot breathe out your nose. But breathing out of your nose is just optimal for health. Breathing out of your mouth is really inefficient. It can cause dry mouth, sore throat, nasal congestion, lowered blood oxygen saturation, and it can worsen your immunity. So that is not good. If you want to try the Somnifix and if you want to support this podcast, because when you support the sponsors, that indirectly supports this podcast, which we'll get into in a minute. Anyways, then go pick yourself up some Somnifix strips and also tell me about your experience with them. So you can go to Somnifix.com to purchase or on Amazon. The Somnifix.com link will direct you to Amazon and use the code CRWSLEEP. That stands for Christina Rice Wellness, which is my nutrition brand my clients know. But yeah, just go ahead and use that code CRWSLEEP, all caps, and you'll get 15% off. I don't know anybody else who's giving you 15% off, but just so you know, that's a really good deal. So go ahead. You can get it on Amazon Prime. It'll come in two days, and then you will be two days closer to the best sleep of your life. And that is what I have to say about Somnifix. It has changed my life. I'm obsessed with them. We're going to make mouth taping cool, just so you know. I love it. So yeah. And if you have parents who snore like me, just send it over to them. They'll thank you. So that's kind of my last update, but that easily rolls into today's topic, which is blogging. I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about blogging. And I'm also, as I'm thinking about this in general, I'm just thinking about content creation. But let me take a step back and explain what I think when I think the word blogger. To me, the word blogger means that you have a blog. So to me, if you have an Instagram account, but not an actual blog, to me, that's not a blogger. That's just my personal opinion. In that case, I think you are either an Instagrammer or an influencer. You know, there's no right or wrong. But to me, I don't consider Instagram posts blog posts. I consider websites that are blogs to be blogs and people who do that to be bloggers. And in general, there are just content creators. So anybody in this content creating space. And so podcasting, for example, I guess I am a podcaster. That is me. I'm a content creator. And I guess podcasting is a a verbal form of blogging, but I don't know. So that's kind of where I stand with the definition. And I just want to sort of 
do this by first talking about what I want to say and then a bunch of people in the Facebook group ask questions so I'll just read through those and answer them. Once again, I probably should have thought about my answers before I did this, but I like to keep it raw and real. So we're just going to go. We're just going to go with it. So I think the the most important thing that I want to cover today is basically how bloggers and influencers in general make money. Because I think that a lot of people look at people on Instagram and they see that they have a following whatever that means to you, because that's very different. You know, some people who aren't in the Instagram space probably look at somebody with 4,000 followers and think, oh my gosh, that's a huge following. And that is a great following. But then people who are really into the Instagram space and know all of these bloggers who have, you know, three, 400,000 followers think, oh, well, you need hundreds of thousands to be a big blogger. So that's all just relative, subjective, whatever you want. I just, whatever you consider to be influence is fine. You do you. Anyways, my point is I think people see that somebody has a blog or that they have an Instagram with a following and they assume that they just make money off of that. Or I know people from the outside who, you know, think that I just am a blogger and that's my job and I just make money off of that. Okay, let me, here, we'll just talk about my financial situation. So I don't consider myself to make any money off of my blog or my content. So I consider, but that's not totally true. But in terms of what I need to live, it's not enough at all. So basically up until, oh man, how many months has been, like, I don't know, like six months ago when I was up until like six months ago when I was still, you know, had a a job. I had just graduated college, whatever. I hadn't made any money off my blog or podcast at all. So none. And then in the past six months, I've done a few more things. So I've probably made in the last six months, maybe maybe $3,000 total off my blog. So in six months, $3,000, that's all I've made. And I didn't make anything before. So that's kind of what it is. So I don't, I don't rely on any of this as my income. My income is from seeing clients all day. And I also make income off of Beauty Counter and doTERRA. And I don't ever plan on making my blog or my Instagram account um, my my full source of income. That is very difficult to do and most people don't realize that and I'm bringing this up and I want to just be as transparent as possible about I guess how I do things and how other people do things so that people understand that most people who have a following or a blog, the majority of those people, their full-time like what they're getting their income from isn't that, that it's something else. So for most people, their Instagram, their blog, their podcast is a side hustle. It's for fun. And maybe it fuels, it fuels their other revenue streams. So for example, I get a lot of clients because people listen to my podcasts or read my blog or follow me on Instagram. And so that's an indirect way for them to find me. And then that 
in turn leads to them paying for my services. And then that's how I make money. So that's what I want you to understand. There are people who are full-time bloggers, but that is a small fraction of the population, this very large internet population. So most people, and even then, most of them, some of them are straight up making the money off of their actual blog or pod, or, or podcast or um, Instagram. But in general, most of them are kind of doing the way I'm explaining it, but it's usually with a product, for example. So maybe they'll have a product out and that's what they make all of their money off of. And then the, the sponsored things are just kind of side things, but that's not what they're living off of, if that makes sense. So maybe Sally has a fitness account and then she comes out with an ebook and she's a full-time blogger. That's what she does full-time, but what she's making money off of are the sales off of her ebook, if that makes sense. Or this is why people come out with products. So this is leading me into what do people make money off of? So products is a big one so maybe it's an ebook maybe it's a shirt maybe it's candles maybe it's a maybe they come out with a food brand it can be really anything and that's what people are actually buying and in the meantime they're doing most or if not all either of their the rest of their content for free but they're using that as advertising for whatever their product is that they're selling so that's that. Um, another way that people make money is by doing outside work. So maybe this means this is really common. This is actually really common for a lot of full time bloggers. Well, I guess then they're not really full time. You'll understand. OK, so people who run their blog and don't have a, another traditional nine to five, oftentimes they will run other social media accounts. So this is really common. So maybe a brand or a company or a restaurant will pay somebody who has a blog to run their their Instagram account every month. Because I mean, if you think about it, our Instagram accounts are our best resumes. So this is pretty common as well. I know I mean, a lot of my friends who are bloggers do this. So maybe there's a restaurant or a product brand that they run their Instagram account. So they're in charge of posting every day and coming up with the content for them. Um, also, other options are just taking photos for brands. So maybe food blogging, you are getting the food and taking the doing all the photography, the food styling or coming up with recipes for their for their blog. So you're even if it's not said to be written by you, you're basically coming up with recipes and taking the photos and giving them content. So giving other companies content. And same with maybe fashion bloggers. So or beauty bloggers, maybe you are taking photos for them with the product, using the product in a video, giving that to them and they're they're basically paying you to create content. I also know a lot of bloggers will do consulting for brands. So I've done this before too, here and there. So acting as a business consultant because at the end of the day, a lot of us who have, you know, podcasts and Instagram accounts and blogs, we understand marketing really well and we understand how to reach our audience. And a lot of people who have great products don't. They're really good at making the product. 
but they don't know how to market. So for example, I've had brands come to me and ask, okay, I have this product. It's really great. How do I go about getting it, getting it out there? How do I make it popular? You know, so it's basically consulting for companies. And there are some bloggers who do that basically full time. But there, especially in the food space, there are a lot of people who really their source of income is basically working for other companies and other brands and making content for them, providing content for them. A lot of people do food styling. Also, a lot of people do writing. So maybe they work for a few different online magazines or regular magazines and they contribute articles or they, you know, guest post articles all the time. So they do a lot of freelance work and maybe they're doing that. So those are different options because at the end of the day, doing freelance for another online magazine that that they pay you for, that's more lucrative than putting the same content on your own blog. So that's another option as well. But then there are people who actually do make money off of their own blogs. So are their Instagram accounts. So this is where sponsored posts come in. So maybe someone will come to you and they'll say, I'll pay you X amount for a blog post. And you say, okay. So then they pay you X and you publish a post and you feature their product and you link to their company. And that's one way to do it. Another, same with Instagram. So maybe they'll say, oh, we'll pay you X amount to feature this on your stories or do an Instagram post and people have different options. So you can do an exclusive post, a non-exclusive, which means other brands might be included. You know, maybe Instagram stories is included. Maybe there's a package deal to get everything in there. That's kind of the different options and that company will pay you a rate to do that. And then there's also affiliate links. So I realize now that not many people realize this but when a a blogger you know links to a specific product it's usually an affiliate link so they'll get a little bit of the kickback from that so if you click on that link and shop through that specific link so say somebody is on their blog talking about I don't know a jade roller I don't know why I just thought of that they're talking about a jade roller and they link to the jade roller. If you click on the link when they, cause they gave you a hyperlink in there, I'm sure. And then you shop through that, they'll maybe get a percentage of those sales and that won't cost you anything extra, but people put, but, but they don't get any of that. If you go separately to Google and type in jade roller and buy it on your own. So I think this is important for people to know, because if you want to support a blogger, I really recommend using their their affiliate links. Like instead of just shopping, Googling it. For example, when I post about Vital Proteins, I put in my affiliate link every time so that if somebody happens to buy Vital Proteins, you know, if they click on that link, it'll get tracked back to me and I get a percentage of that. And versus me, I know a lot of my readers buy Vital Proteins because of me, but they go separately to vitalproteins.com and shop through it that way. They go through the store and obviously I don't get anything back from that. And the thing is though with affiliate links is (laughs) you don't, every, everybody who blogs knows this, you don't make shit off of affiliate links. Like 
you get like three dollars you don't get make any money so it's kind of like every bit counts so i mean sometimes i don't even bother because i just think i'm not gonna make any money off of this so it's kind of pointless but then i'm also like why not you know an extra five dollars could help me someday the one thing that does make a lot of bloggers money is reward style so this is mostly fashion bloggers i know some fashion fashion bloggers make literally their whole income off of reward style because they get such high commission and people will actually shop the fashion post straight from there so people make a ton of money off of reward style which is just it doesn't basically if you have a reward style account it gives you an affiliate link for your product for you know, maybe the shirt you're wearing or the scarf you're wearing and then you post it and then people who shop through that link, you get a commission based on that. Just so people understand how affiliate links work and same sometimes with codes, but sometimes not. So maybe a blogger is giving you a code, a discount code, and sometimes it is an affiliate link and sometimes it's not. So for example, my Frank and Wit code, when people use that, they... I get a percentage of the like sale. So you're getting, so my, my list, my audience, whoever my audience is. So say they use my code lovely. I think that's my code (laughs) for Frank and wit and they'll get, yeah, it's lovely. And they get, they'll get, you'll get 20% off, but I also get a small percentage of that. So that's kind of how that works but then there are also codes that don't make you any money so for example my somnifix that i just talked about so if you use the code crw sleep you get 15 percent off i don't get a percentage of that that's just for you but this podcast is sponsored so basically the way that works is somnifix gives me a certain amount of money to talk about them but this is where it gets dicey so I am very comfortable talking about sponsored posts and affiliate links because I don't have affiliate links or I would never be sponsored by somebody that I don't truly love and believe in. So basically, for example, let's talk about my Somnifix sponsorship. I went and emailed them and said, I love this. Please, I want my, you know, I love this product. It's changed my life. Can we talk about, you know, doing a sponsorship And then I hopped on the phone, we talked and ended up working out, you know, so that's one way. And that's usually how I think that's how every sponsored post I've ever done, which is not very many, has worked out. So I will love a brand or a product and I'll say, hey, I love your product. I really want to feature you. Can we do let's see what we can do about a sponsorship. So I guess my point is I don't I think a lot of bloggers like try and hide their sponsored posts or their affiliate links and I just don't well I do know why but I don't feel like I need to because I know you guys trust me and I would never compromise that trust by promoting something that I don't use myself or that I don't love or that that I wouldn't recommend a client or a family member or a friend would use so I'm really open about that and the truth of the matter is I We'll get more into this later, but I also feel like I, well, I don't feel like this. I do put a lot of time and effort into all my content and I don't feel bad about getting paid for it. You know, I've, I've podcasted for almost two years now and have never made any money, you know, so 
I think it's okay to get paid for the hours I put into this, you know, so that I can keep doing it. Because the truth is, I did reach a place where, you know, sometimes this is the thing. (laughs) This is the thing. There was a point in time where I thought I was going to have to quit the podcast because it got to the point where I just needed more money to literally make rent. And I'm spending, you know, X every hour in the week counts. And when you're spending X amount of hours on things that don't make you any money, like my blog and my podcast, that obviously has to kind of be the first thing that's going to go. And thankfully, I found a way where I didn't have to go. Um, But that's the truth of the matter, because a lot of us are spending a lot of time and energy putting forth posts where no one is paying us for it. So imagine if you were going into your office, working nine to five, five days a week and never got a paycheck. That's kind of what it's like, you know? So just to put that into perspective, but we'll we'll get into that in a second. Okay. Back to the affiliates and the sponsors. Yeah. So I'm very open about what I'm sponsored about, what, what I'm sponsored by, who are my affiliates, what I make money off. Cause I don't really feel like I have anything to hide. Um, if I promote something, I love it. And I think you guys would love it too. So awesome. And I am, you know, people are marketing through me. People are using me as advertising and I'm happy to support a brand that I love and that I use and that I think everybody else should be using. And I basically only work with companies that I would be talking about and promoting whether or not I was paid. And I know that I have an audience that trusts me because I talk about so many companies and products that I love that don't pay me or have no idea that I even use their product so that doesn't stop me from talking about someone so that's kind of my status but there are unfortunately a lot of influencers who do it differently and this is why you know sponsored posts have kind of gotten a bad name or people hate sponsored posts but this is where it comes back to do you know, do you trust this blogger? And that's a judgment for you to make because sadly there are a lot of influencers who take sponsorships just for the money and they don't, maybe they don't personally use the product or like the product. Maybe they use it, but it's not actually a healthy product and they tout themselves as a a healthy influencer, a health influencer. I get so upset over this and it's just sad. And basically, this is the thing. If legally you have to put hashtag sponsor or hashtag ad, but a lot of bloggers don't, which to me, if you are too embarrassed to put that, that's kind of weird. Like, why are you embarrassed? I mean, I'll put it on mine if it's sponsored because I have nothing to be ashamed of. So it bothers me when people don't put that on there. Legally, you have to do that. And if the government ever finds out about it, then they are screwed. So whatever. I'm going to do me. You do you. So that's the situation there. I get really just frustrated when people are promoting things that are unhealthy and they're telling people it's healthy and they're literally doing it for money. This is where it's hard. It's like not every post it's hard when people generalize because people make this generalization that if it's a sponsored post, they're only people are only posting about it for money. And that's not always true. 
but sadly it is true for a lot of other people so it just comes back to knowing the person and trusting the person and this is why it's important to just do research yourself and for example with food items look at ingredients yourself you know make your own judgment and this is why people in general need to stop just listening to what they're told on the internet and make their own judgments so that's important and you know with fashion bloggers a lot of fashion bloggers will go to the store buy a ton of clothes take photos and then go return them so just understanding that as well if you want to know how to spot a sponsored post on instagram first of all if it says hashtag sponsored hashtag ad that's one obvious way but the other thing is if everybody's posting about it at the same time it's sponsored and it usually means that it's a big brand that has big budget so the sat this is where it's tough because most of the really the actually great companies don't have budget for marketing or they say they don't we can get into that too they don't have a budget to pay people for posts the really great brands which makes it hard and then the ones who do have a big budget are usually not the best so like Panera this is one of my favorite um Panera has a budget obviously they email me all the time and it's so annoying and I just press delete recently released their 100% clean sauce which is not clean at all and I'm not even gonna get into this because I get so upset it literally has sugar and canola oil and I think xanthan gum I don't remember but it makes it makes me very upset so when you see 20 different bloggers in the span of two days posting about this wing sauce yeah it's sponsored and that that company has big budget so this is and this is why a lot of bloggers do give in because they need to make money somehow and none of the companies they want to promote have money to pay them so a lot of times they will compromise and give in and support and promote a company that has a bigger budget, which usually means isn't as good of a product. So a lot of the like basic big brands are the ones with budget and then the smaller ones don't have it. But then here's the other thing. A lot of brands lie about budget, which makes me really upset. So if you're a brand, don't think I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, and we all know this. So it was really interesting for me working for Jordan, the Balanced Blonde, who is a full-time blogger, and I was her full-time assistant. And I was in charge of sponsorships. And, you know, I also had my own small blog on the side. I also have a lot of friends who are bloggers, and... I would be communicating with a certain brand as me, Christina, director of operations and partnerships from the Balanced Blonde, at the same time as being separately Christina from AddictedToLovely.com. And the same brand would tell me, or also same with my podcast. So the same brand would tell me, oh no, we don't pay, we don't pay for sponsored posts we don't have budget we don't do this and then I'm emailing with them the exact same day the same person and they're telling me oh yeah we have a million trillion dollars obviously not I'm just being I'm speaking in hyperbole because that's how I speak we have x amount of budget and yeah we'll pay for 
this person. So they'll tell people with a bigger following they have budget and then they'll tell people with a smaller following that they don't instead of just being honest, which is really annoying and really frustrating as well because a lot of brands just don't know what they're doing, to be honest, and I wish I could help them. So I think some brands are becoming more savvy to this, but if you're a brand listening, here's your advice from me. You look at you need to look at engagement because there are so many big bloggers that they pay and they're not going to get any return off of um versus a lot of smaller bloggers who are very passionate and they'll put time and effort into posts and their audience is very engaged and they trust them and they'll get more return off of it and then the other thing is that brands will act like they'll they'll gauge how valuable a post somebody is with based on maybe likes or how many people use the code, how many people click on the link. And that is just ridiculous. Honestly, it's so ridiculous. There are so many products that I know my followers use and they've told me because of it's because of me and they didn't use my code or my link. And so maybe it says that no one has ever used my link. And so the brand thinks, okay, I got no return off of paying for this post. Meanwhile, I have hundreds of people telling me that they went out and bought that product at their store, at the local store because of me. So how can you tell me I wasn't useful? And this is the same with a lot of, a lot of bloggers, you know, so I'm just using myself as an example because... I can, you know, so that's kind of the instance there and brands are frustrating. I wish I could do a whole podcast about brands and I hate how they lie. And it's also very interesting. This is the other thing that's interesting. People want to know how much bloggers get paid and it is all over the board. Bloggers, influencers all over the board because there's no regulation and the brands are the only ones who are seeing all of these people's rates. And so you might have Susie with 20,000 followers and maybe she's charging $50 for a post. Then you have Sally who has 20,000 followers and she's charging $600 for a post. The brand's obviously not going to tell anyone, hey, you know, you should raise your rates or you should, they're just going to act like they don't know. They're going to play dumb, all of this. So And this is also really hard for influencers because they think, I have no idea how much to charge for this, but I know I'm worth something. I just don't know what I'm worth. And I kind of just want to go off on a whole tangent about this because if you are an influencer, you need to own your worth and own your value because content creators put so much time and energy into their content and it's valuable and you're you have to believe that your time is valuable and it's really important not to undervalue yourself so I know certain bloggers whose rates are honestly ridiculous they're so ridiculous so high but then I know more 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 influencers whose rates are so low and brands are taking advantage of them to be quite honest and it's hard because people have sort of this, these preconceived notions and brands are also, a lot of brands, unfortunately, are very entitled and they say, well, we don't, we don't pay for posts. Well, guess what? This is marketing. This is marketing. 
would you ever ask a TV channel to put your commercial on for free? I don't think so. Okay. Sorry, I get so annoyed with this, but even on other websites, brands will pay to put an ad on another website. That is no different than having somebody write a full blog post about you and take photos for you. How is that different than paying to put an advertisement on the side of, I don't know, Mind Body Green website? How is that any different? I think that people need to stop doing work for free. Honestly, I think bloggers need to kind of take a stand and stop doing so much for free and know that your time and energy and effort is valuable. If you were working at a company and you were the content creator for that company and making content for their website, their blog, of course you would be paid and no one would think twice about it. You know, if you were working for a larger company, if you weren't just a blogger on your own as an entrepreneur, but if you were, I don't know, in some in some branch of marketing for any random company and you are creating the content, of course you would get paid. Obviously. I don't think this is any different. I think that bloggers deserve to get paid for the work and they need to stop doing so much for free. I think that the mo- that the majority of content creators are so underpaid and so undervalued. And I think that also I'm going to be quite frank a lot of people who are consuming the information and the content also don't realize this so you know even with I feel bad for artists with Spotify and stuff you know I honestly think that we as a society should have to pay for their album that they spent all year working on and creating and promoting you know it makes sense to me that somebody would want to be paid for that hard work or a piece of artwork. People go and they pay for artwork. Same with magazine articles. So this is something that I really get upset about. So, you know, let's look at a magazine like Cosmo because that's the first thing that came to my head. Cosmopolitan is a magazine and they pay writers and they pay photographers. They pay people to put together these articles and create this content and they get paid a salary or maybe hourly depending on what they're doing. They get paid for this and no one thinks twice. How is reading a blog any different than reading an online magazine? Except for you probably are getting much better information. You're building a relationship with this person and trusting this person. And this is why I've talked about this in my stories before too. I honestly think, and I hope that someday this happens, I think that people should have to pay for blogs. I'm sorry. I think that you should have to subscribe. You know, if you have, I have to pay a subscription to read the New York Times. How is that any different than reading basically your own personal New York Times about this health and wellness topic? The other way I look at it is people don't think twice about paying for a cookbook, for example, or a regular book, but they, you know, there's this attitude where I wouldn't subscribe to a blog, but this person is putting out, okay, let me tell you something. What if you had a $5 subscription, you pay once a month for that, and this blogger is pumping out, I mean, a lot of there are a lot of bloggers who put recipes out every single day but let's say it's even just once or twice a week and you are continuously getting new recipes every week and this is going to go on forever right so you have access to everything that's been previously published and all the new content to me that is much more valuable than buying a cookbook where okay I have these recipes 
that's them. I'm not getting any more. Once I read through them, I'm done. Versus a blog where the content is continuously growing or same with a book. So say you spend $25 on this book and you read the book. Okay, awesome. You can reread it, but you're not continuously getting new content versus a blog subscription. You have access to all of the old information and all the new information and you're getting way more for your money. Be just because, I mean, if you have access to somebody's blog and there are literally thousands of recipes on there or hundreds of recipes versus paying $25 once for a book and then you have these maybe 30 recipes and that's it. You know, it's just a bigger bang for your buck. So to me, I would rather pay a subscription for content that's, I'm gonna get more of it and it's always evolving and always adding and I have access to everything previously. It just makes way more sense. So in terms of, value for your money, it would just make way more sense to me. That's just my opinion. Especially with things like health information and blogs. So we are finding out new research and new studies every day. Things are always evolving and changing. So the sad thing is about people who write these really incredible books, oftentimes by the time they have the content, they write the whole book, it's edited, it's published, it's been two or three years since this idea was first put into place. And now the information is maybe irrelevant, or maybe it is relevant, but maybe things have changed, maybe there's new things that need to be added versus something like a blog, which can always be added to and changed, and you are staying up to date on what the new most recent information is, that is so much more valuable. I mean, there are so many bloggers who if you took all of their posts printing them out, pile them together, it would be much longer than any book that you would pay for. You know, you can buy a book for 20 bucks that's 100 pages with big font and doesn't even give you as much value as you could get off of two or three really well-written blog posts, depending on who's writing them. And then that would also, yeah, mean you're picking and choosing whose information you're paying for and then therefore consuming and honestly I think that would be good for most people because most people are consuming too much bad information and then you'd have to be wise about who you who you pay for and some bloggers do this but it's very few and you know I know some people are going to disagree with me but they also probably aren't the ones who realize how much time and effort it, it takes to put together posts and take photos and edit photos and this is another thing I mean it's different for different people, but for me, for example, if I'm doing a blog post, it takes me a full one to two days of time, you know, so when I'm not getting paid for that, that turns into, okay, this is what I'm doing from 8 p.m. on, and then you're evening, you know, you're working every night to try and catch up. It takes a lot of time, and then I know bloggers who say, oh, it takes me half an hour to write a post. Well, does that blogger also have somebody who takes their photos for them and edits their photos for them and does their website for them? You know, depending on the situation, there are some people who are doing everything themselves and that all takes a lot more time. And there are other people who have people helping them. So maybe they have a photographer and maybe they have someone who edits their photos. There are a lot of podcasters who record and then send it off and somebody edits for them. But there are also a lot of podcasters who do the recording and then the editing and then the uploading the marketing, there are a lot of people who have outside help. So this is another thing I wanted to talk about is maybe influencers. So what you need to realize is not every influencer is running their own account. So maybe 
their Instagram account is being run by some person. So so sometimes this means that somebody is on there commenting for them, liking for them. I use this myself. So I actually have a few interns. I have two actually adultish interns, Sammy and Rachel, who are great. And they help me with actually adultish Instagram. I don't do that myself. And also with just emails and stuff, they help me organize all that. And then Kelly um, is the straight up paleo, my other podcast. She's our, our intern. And she actually does edit that podcast for us because Kara and I both had literally zero time in our lives because I'm trying to run another podcast and my blog and make money and in school. And so Kelly edits it for us. And that's awesome. And so same for me. So when I was working for Jordan and I was her assistant, you know, I would help her with, I did, I never did her Instagram accounts. Um, but you know, I'd help her with photos and recipes and, you know, behind the scenes stuff. So some people are doing it all themselves and some people have help. And I personally don't see any problem with this except for when people are pretending to be someone else. So for example, I have no shame that Sammy posts to the actually adultish Instagram feed because she's not on there pretending to be me. She's on there, you know, as part of the actually adultish team. And same with my other intern, Rachel. She's on there as a team. She's not pretending to be me. And same with Kelly, not pretending to be us. Well, although I don't know how she could pretend to be us. She's just editing and writing the show notes for that. But anyways, yeah, so I don't see any problem with that. I think that bloggers, I and I've, I've actually talked to quite a few bloggers about this too. I've had this conversation so often. I don't think people should be ashamed to get help when they need it. I think a lot of us in this industry are working our asses off and we feel like we have to do everything ourselves. And I think that having an assistant or someone to help you is really valuable. You know, from working for Jordan, I look at everything that I did and I, that experience, I saw my value to her and I think, okay, I think every, every person who's, you know, making this their full-time living if you can get an assistant, do it, you know, because there's so much that that person themselves doesn't have to do but could save them time and then make them more productive in other ways. I think that they should do it. The problem, what I don't like though, is when people hire other people to pretend to be, to pretend to be them. So when somebody else is literally commenting for them, as them so for example I would never let somebody on my addicted to lovely Instagram on their posting for me and like commenting as me I would never let somebody do that but I don't have a problem with Sammy and Rachel on actually adultish podcast Instagram commenting and stuff because they're not pretending to be me they're the team does that make sense The thing is a lot of bloggers nowadays have these people called virtual assistants and these people, their whole job is literally to basically be them online. Not all virtual assistants do this, but this is one thing. This has become this new trend that somebody's a virtual assistant and they work for a bunch of different bloggers and they pay X amount a month for them to basically like and comment, maybe even post for them. I really, this bothers me. And it feels like an easy way out. Um, but whatever. So sometimes people have their assistants go on there and pretend they're, they're them. And 
they're commenting on people's pictures. And so maybe you're thinking so-and-so who has this huge following and you love so much is replying to you and liking your picture. And it's not really so-and-so it's their team and you don't know, which is unfortunate. And not everybody does this. This is what, it's really hard. Don't make any generalizations here. It's all over the board. But this is also where it's annoying to somebody like me who works my ass off. You know, I set aside time every day to engage and talk and I love doing it. Don't get me wrong, but it is a few hours out of my day that doesn't make me actual money, which I need to survive and make rent, you know, and I sit here and do this. Meanwhile, there are some bloggers who have hired so have outsourced so much that they're literally doing nothing else so I think that if you're if you're outsourcing to try and be more productive yourself awesome I yeah it bothers me when people outsource and then just sit on their butts all day and don't do anything because if somebody is an influencer and somebody else is posting for them commenting for them liking for them you know they're not doing anything themselves or uh, some bloggers I do not like this some bloggers don't write their own blog posts a lot of the big busy bloggers, you know, I, I, I feel, so, I felt so naive until I learned all of this. You know, I thought, oh my gosh, this person does it all. How does she have time to do all this? Build a following, build a brand, make a product, blah blah blah. And then I learned that they have a ghostwriter. Somebody's writing their blog post for them. This is really frustrating to me, but that's the way it is. And you know, this has created jobs for people. People are ghostwriters as their job. People are also just editors so sometimes bloggers will you know write a very rough very rough draft of a post send it off to their editor and the editor will like put it into sentences and make it sound like a normal person thing and writing a very rough draft slash outline is not the same thing as writing a full blog post and putting the time and energy into that so just wanted to say that and Yeah, that's kind of the deal with how sometimes not everybody on there is doing it themselves. And so I'm just thinking, okay, if somebody's writing your blog post, taking your photos for you, editing your photos for you, um, commenting and liking for you, posting everywhere for like, what are you actually doing? It depends on the person because some people have other people do all that stuff for them. But then meanwhile, they're building a brand in another way. So maybe they're they're developing a product. Maybe they are... Um, some kind of coach or nutritionist or fitness person and they're working with clients so they're doing other things so they're using the outsourcing to be more productive themselves and that's very different to me than people who just outsource everything and then sit around and shop online I don't get that but yeah that's not everybody because the point I really want to drive home is that influencers work really hard and people don't understand how much time and energy it takes an effort to to do to do you know to put out content to to take photos that look nice and create recipes and write posts and maybe on the outside it seems like it wouldn't take that long and that's what I used to think and I think just knowing how hard I work and how I hustle really hard and I spent so long just not even sleeping because I'm trying to fit it all in in a day. There's, I think all of us feel as though there's never enough time in a day. There's always something else to be doing. I mean, this is also part of being an entrepreneur, but that's why it's really hard when people have, as most people do, full-time nine-to-five jobs and then they come home and now they have this side hustle that they treat as a full-time job as well. So at this point, you're being an entrepreneur at the same time as 
not. So, you know, people who have their nine to five and they come home and they're really tired. Imagine coming home and being like, okay, I have to build my whole other business. Now I have to write these posts, take these photos, make these recipes, submit this, submit that. And it is hard work. Okay. And it is also really hard to make money off of. So going back to the money thing, it's, it's literally all over the board. And I just, if you are an influencer, if you, if you want to be an influencer, do not undervalue yourself. I am so sick of companies trying to take advantage of people. And I know I have too many friends who do too much work for free. And you need to realize how valuable you are and whether or not you are an influencer, just in whoever is listening to this in life, understanding how valuable your time is, whatever that means. So maybe that means in friendships and relationships, anybody who takes advantage of your time and acts like your time isn't worth something. No, you don't have time for them. That's not okay. So bringing this back to the business of blogging, you know, brands who say, oh, well, we we want to test, test it out with you. So we'll do one post and we'll just exchange product. And then depending on how that post goes, then we'll look into a sponsored post. And a lot of bloggers fall for this and they'll go and they'll put the effort and the time into a post and they don't get paid. And they're hoping that the company will see how valuable it was, that they'll like the content. And then they'll say they'll want to work with them again. And sometimes it does pull through, but I've honestly seen this from so many different angles because I've seen it from the perspective of working for a well-established big blogger, full-time blogger. I've seen it from the perspective of me growing a brand, you know, trying to talk to companies. I see it from a lot of my friends who maybe are in between. I've seen it from many different perspectives in my own life between how I used to deal with brands and how I deal with brands now. Um, And you just don't don't fall for it you know maybe it'll pull through but the more you do work for free the more people expect free work and I've seen this in my own life and with a lot of people beyond that so the the same way a a brand will take advantage of you and try and get free work out of you and they'll they'll tell you that they're going to do a sponsored post and they say well we don't see the return well first of all usually they don't even understand how to fully see the return because they aren't tracking how many people are going to the store and buying it because of you or how long term it builds up and brands also don't understand that you have to be consistent you know you can't People don't buy things off of just one sponsored post. Like they want to see that the person is actually using it consistently and evenly and not bullshitting them, right? So, oh, one post and we didn't get enough sales. I mean, it's just silly and basic common sense to me, but sorry, I get get really frustrated because so many branches are ridiculous, so they don't understand that. But on the other side, audiences have become not everybody. I know not you guys because I love you guys. Anyone who's listening to this is like my OG. But if you saw all of the DMs and emails I get, you would be so confused by my life. But people have gotten really, really used to free information and they feel entitled to it. And this is not okay. Sorry. I'm just, I feel like I'm just being bad mom this whole podcast, but I'm just getting down to it. And this is how I feel. And this is what I think. And if you disagree, that is totally fine. You're entitled to your own opinion, but I feel very strongly about this. Um, I will tell you right now, whoever you are, I would never ask you to do work for free. And I would never feel entitled to your time or information for no reason. 
just so you know because I value and I respect you and I feel like it's very disrespectful when people portray in any way that they do not value your time or your expertise so when people you know are asking for a lot for example for a lot of free health advice from me I'm just thinking okay well what about all my clients who pay me for this you know you can't just send me a dm and think I'm going to solve your life problems this is my job um it's not fair to me or to the people who pay for me and also I mean this is the issue is and a lot of people run into this trap and I used to too you you sit and you spend and sometimes I do you spend so much time answering people who are just asking random questions and you're spending hours doing this and those are hours that you should have spent they're people who do value your time enough to be paying for it and offering your expertise and sometimes people are really rude about this and they just expect you know this they just dm me what should i eat what should i how should i work out what should i do with this this is my life story help me and i'm just thinking first of all anything that i send to you in a dm isn't going to help you. It's more complicated than that. I don't know. Like, I don't know you. I don't know your situation. I don't know everything that's going on. Secondly, this is not fair to me because it's going to take me X amount of minutes, hours to sit here and respond to all this stuff. And this is time when I should be focusing on my clients, on the women in my program, on, you know, people who are reaching out to me in the right way or same with the DMs and the emails, you know, you know, I think it's really, this goes back to brands. I think it's extremely unprofessional when a brand DMs me and wants to collaborate. You can email me. My email is in my bio. I think that DMs, I just think it's so unprofessional. You know, if you want to get a hold of me, you should be emailing me. Um, Yeah. And also in terms of engagement, so many people will DM me instead of leaving a comment. And you have to understand that like putting it somewhere public is helping way more people. So if I'm going to respond to a question, I would like for it to be in a place where more people can see it. So commenting on a blog post or commenting on a photo or submitting it to my podcast so I can answer it. And so maybe other people who have the same question or same situation, they can benefit from that as well. And then it's saving me time, if that makes sense. So instead of me getting 30 messages from 30 different people asking the same thing and I'm spending time answering those 30 times giving the same answer if you put it in a public place or if you send it to me an email so I could put it in a public place or so I could address you more fully just honestly because it's easier for me to type out than it is to type on my phone you know like that is more valuable because if I can answer it to more people at once then then more people will benefit Okay, so that's why, you know, I'm like, please submit questions to the podcast, both my podcasts, and then people post it somewhere else. And I think I wish you could just put it there so more people can benefit because this is the other thing. It's like I'm like, I put out so much free content for people every week, right? You get blog posts, you get podcasts, you get Instagram posts, you get stories all the time and putting out a lot of free content. And I'm saying this me but I'm honestly speaking on behalf of so many content creators and I'm just gonna say it from my perspective because I don't care I'm happy to put myself out there as the person who gets stones thrown at them at this point it's fine um a lot of us myself included spend a lot of time putting out free content and 
you get all that for free and don't take that for granted. And I have created these platforms so I can do that. So I want people to send in questions and I will answer your questions for free by answering them on the podcast. If you just send them in and it would be great if you could send them in to the podcast so I can do that. Does that make sense? Like I've made platforms to be able to answer these questions. Or if you want me to write a blog post about something, tell me and then I'll write the blog post versus like DMing me a specific question, you know? So because if I can write the blog post, then everybody can read that blog post. And then that to me feels like it's worth it, you know, to put out a whole blog post. If I feel like a lot of people are going to benefit from it, then yeah, of course I'll take the time to put, do it. And I love everything I do. And I feel very fortunate that I love it. And well, I wouldn't do it if I, I didn't love it. But I also believe that my knowledge and the content I put out there is valuable and worth something. And if you disagree, then I don't really know why you're listening to this anyways. But you can disagree. That's fine. But I'm not afraid to tell people that I believe that I'm worth something. A brand, you know, if they want, if I tell them, you know, this is my rate at this point um, to post because this takes me X amount of hours and money sometimes. You know, if you want me to make a recipe and I have to pay for groceries, um, this is my rate. And if they say, well, no, we don't do that because you don't have enough followers. Well, okay, fine. Go find somebody else. Go find someone else. So that's kind of my status. Sorry, this turned into like a big rant. And I just wanted to clear some of these things up. And I could honestly go for a really long time. Also, before I end this, Addie Martanovic, Chickpea in the City, wanted me to remind everybody. And I feel the same way that if you... You have to understand that influencers have so, like so many people will say, can we get coffee? Can we get lunch? Can I, Addie hates this. Can I pick your brain? And in my head, when someone says, can I pick your brain? I'm like, I, I don't have time. Like, I honestly don't have time. Like, as I sit here with, you know, 50 other emails asking me the exact same thing. And if I took the time to, if I took the time to meet up with every single people, person who wanted to or if I took the time to let every single person pick my brain who wants to I I would never be able to make a cent and I would be poor and homeless on the streets because I have to actually do work that makes me money if that makes sense um so understanding like the depth of a question sometimes people ask questions that I just I feel very overwhelmed by I think oh my gosh, you know, if it's, if you're asking a question that will take me literally 10 seconds to respond to, of course, that's no big deal. But sometimes people ask really in-depth, complicated questions. And I just think I can't even attack this. Like this would take an hour, two hours out of my day that I just don't have at this point, you know? So I think that can be really, um, a lot and just don't ask people, don't ask Addie to pick your brain you know, so, you know, anybody who goes about it in the right way knows, you know, every time I, when I have a consultant with beauty counter, I set up a call every time when I have a doTERRA consumer, we'll set up a call and talk. And I'm happy to sit there and talk on the phone with you, you know, about X, Y, and Z, because they've done it the right way. It's not somebody who's DMing me feeling entitled saying, Hey, I have a problem. I need to get on the phone. No, you know, you can, (laughs) 
you can be a client if you need a if you need you know and i'm happy to do that but you do have to pay for my services the same way you would have to pay for any other business consultant services or any other nutritionist or this is the analogy i always give would you ever go up to a doctor and say can you stitch my leg for free right now you know what i'm saying also even more so because doctors at least have business hours that people seem to respect and people don't seem to respect you know content creators hours you know i will get i will get emails at midnight of people getting mad at me because they sent me a dm at 10 p.m and i didn't respond yet okay 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 calm down anyways that's my thing or would you go to the dentist and say i need you i need a tooth cleaning but i'm not paying um no like you know that you have to pay your dentist you know you have to pay somebody you know what i'm saying so you have to understand how much work content creators are putting in and um, i mean think about it in your own life what if think about the work you did today what if somebody just expected you to do it for free you know so it's about respecting that and if you're listening to these kinds of things or reading these kinds of things or watching the kind of things that i'm talking about then you should understand because you obviously enjoy it and you wouldn't walk into Target and say, I enjoy this DVD, I, but I don't want to pay for it because there's YouTube videos that I could watch for free, which is still, I think, bullshit. I think that people should have to also subscribe, pay YouTube so YouTubers can get paid. Same way I think bloggers should get paid based on subscription, like a magazine, like the New York Times. But this is just what I think. Okay. Well, I feel bad because I didn't get to any questions. I didn't realize how much I would have to say, but I already talked for much longer than I was planning on. So I'll try and do a few questions before I sign out. So let's see. How do you tell if someone is truly being real and authentic? That is a very difficult question that I don't know I know the answer to. To be 100% honest, the best advice I can give is to, I mean, I think that if you are paying attention to the person and getting to know the person, you can kind of tell whether or not they are authentic, but that's also pretty sneaky. I think it's important to think about who that person spends time with and talks to and associates themselves with. Maybe if you know people who know that person in real life, that could help as well to know if they're being authentic. Also just doing your own research. So when somebody suggests something or recommends a product, look at the ingredients, think logically, would this person actually be eating this? you know, paying attention to if there are inconsistencies between what people say. I know people who will say, oh, I don't eat dairy, I'm paleo, and then they promote a product that contains dairy in it or something along those lines. That's a little sketch to me. Things like that. At the end of the day, it's hard because, I mean, whether or not someone's an influencer or a blogger, how do you know if anyone's being real or authentic? You know, I think all of us have had situations in our lives where, we think someone's being real with us and we realize they are 
not. And I think that it's just really important for everybody to kind of take everything with a grain of salt. Um, I'm also just wary. On a, I, this is just me personally. I am wary of anybody who is very overly private. You know, it's hard to know. I, you know, if somebody only goes on their stories once a month and every time they're on their stories they're talking about a product, it's they're probably being paid, you know, because they're only going on their stories at that time. Or if every single post is sponsored, then that's a red flag for me. I don't think there's a problem with sponsored posts, but if they're never posting anything that's not sponsored, I don't know. That just seems unrealistic to me that every single thing they like is from a company with a budget. I think it just makes more sense when people are showing things they love that are sponsored and aren't sponsored. So there's just no bias there. Or if it's a sponsored post that's just super off brand, that is another red flag. So what if I was sponsored by McDonald's? I mean, come on. If the sponsorship doesn't make sense for that person's brand or their personality and seems random, then it probably is just more so for money. So that's something that I pay attention to. Another thing, you can always look at engagement to try and figure out if somebody has bought their following or bought likes. So if somebody, look at their numbers and then compare that, their number of followers, and then compare that to the number of likes they get. If somebody has 500,000 followers and is getting 200 likes on a photo, they probably bought their followers. But on the other hand, look at the engagement. So let's say somebody has 5,000 likes on a photo, but 20 comments, that's a huge indicator. So a lot of people will buy the likes, but they don't have that many comments. It's pretty common for that to happen when people have bought their likes or bought their followers. Because if you have an engaged audience, those are real people who are commenting more. So I think that at the end of the day, engagement shows a lot more than anything else rather than likes or followers because that's really easy to fudge, sadly. Also, I think just realizing that you never see the whole picture, so about how a lot of bloggers have health issues and many of them lie about them or just don't disclose them. And, you know, I don't think that anybody has to disclose everything. Absolutely not. But I think it's also important for people to be honest. I mean, if you're promoting all these foods as healthy and then those are making you sick, it's not really fair to your audience. So I think that's it. I think people need to stop looking to all these figures as authorities. You know, you are the authority of your own life and other people are there to maybe give you ideas, give you inspiration, get your your own wheels turning in your brain but at the end of the day you make the best decisions for yourself and you know you just have to trust yourself honestly so that's a really honestly a hard question and if you ever want to know what I think you can just ask me I'll tell you (laughs) okay I also got a few questions about building a following so Somebody asked, how do you obtain a following in a genuine way? And I think this is a good question. I think that the way you obtain a following is by putting out real authentic content, not trying to be anything but yourself, 
focusing on what makes you unique and not trying to copy other people and being very active and engaged genuinely. So if you are scrolling through, you know, like other people's photos and comment and make genuine comments. You know, I know there are people, there are people who comment on my photos and they always comment on my photos, but they always comment things that I know they're just scrolling through and just commenting just to comment to get their name out there and just so that I'll see versus something that is authentic. So if you're just commenting on every single photo I post, cute, oh my God, yummy. But I wrote a a long caption about something deep and personal and you didn't even bother to read the caption. That doesn't feel very genuine to me. So I think just authentically engaging with people and trying to actually build real relationships. So actually reading people's captions and... I think also just honestly being engaged is really important. So making a community out of it and consistently putting out things that are high quality and, you know, there's a balance between being consistent and, but you also don't want to post just to post, you know, I think that you should just focus on what makes you unique, put that out there and eventually people catch on if it's meant to catch on. But this is a thing. I mean, anybody who messages me out of the blue or, you know, I've met up with friends, quote, friends after a long time. And the first thing they say is, how do I build a following? I'll tell you right now, if that's your mindset and you're just doing it to build a following, you're not going to build a following. People can smell that. You know, the space is really, really saturated right now. And I think right now everybody is looking for really authentic people to follow and engage with and they people want authenticity and if somebody's out there out there just looking for a following then people will turn somewhere else and the I mean the people who asked this in my Facebook group obviously I don't feel this way about because I was asking them for a specific blogging question so I think it's a really great question but just so you know in general if you just out of the blue message a blogger how do I build a following all of us just internally roll our eyes because you're in it for the wrong reasons and I truly unfortunately a lot of people who do make a living off of it don't have the best intentions which is really sad but I think that now that this space is so saturated it's very different to get a following now and there are lots of tricks you can use to build your following and I have no interest in supporting that or helping other people do that. I think if your goal in life is to get a certain number of followers on Instagram, that's really sad to be honest and you should probably find something that is more important in your life to focus on. Just saying, especially by the time you build the following, I hope that brands will have figured out that num- like the number of followers you have does not correspond to how how your engagement is and if people actually listen to you there are a lot of people who have millions of followers and they promote products and no one buys it because they're just used to sponsored posts and they don't actually trust the brand versus there are a lot of people I know who have quote less followers who promote products but they're the followers they have are genuine and real and real people and their conversion rates are much higher for that reason. So I think just you have to be genuine and engaged and you have to dedicate time to it, unfortunately. (laughs) Maybe fortunately, but 
just make sure that the comments that you're leaving are genuine and real and not just cute, yummy on every single picture. And try to create a community by focusing on other people who have the same interests as you. So maybe that means searching hashtags or maybe if there's a blogger you really like looking at other people who comment on their photos and maybe visiting their profiles and just finding other like-minded people and trying to create genuine relationships and people see that. And I think that's really important. I also think that Instagram stories are extremely important and just being vulnerable in yourself. Like I said before, I'm honestly a little wary of people who don't show themselves on stories because I feel like they're trying to hide something and people really connect with people who they feel like they get to know. I mean, I know so many of my readers and my listeners for the podcast, they tell me, I feel like you're my, this is weird, but I feel like you're my friend and it's not weird at all. I hope that you feel that way because I mean, the way I talk to you guys, the way I talk to my stories, I just, I'm, I f- feel like I'm talking to just friends. I'm sitting down and talking to friends. You know, I don't filter. I'm no BS. And I think that the more you show your face and show how you talk, that makes people connect. And they just want to kind of be on your journey with you. And so the more you can create that real life community, the better. Because the more you just stay hidden behind a photo of a nice salad with a quick caption about where you got your watermelon radishes from. I mean, we have enough of that in this world. People want something new and different. And they, at the end of the day, are going to be most interested in you and what makes you unique. So I would focus on that. Someone asked, do you ever wish you would have stuck to just doing it for fun? And well, that's a complicated question because I feel like that implies that people think that I do this for a living and I don't consider this to be my living or my job because I don't get paid a consistent income from it or it's, you know, it's not my income. So it is technically still for fun because I don't get paid for it usually, but it also is part of my business. So it's complicated. I guess it's an indirect part of my business, but I... Sometimes I think it's hard when people feel very entitled to content from me. That does make it hard. And sometimes I think I wish I hadn't done this because that makes it easier for people to devalue me in other ways, which I won't stand for. But I also love blogging and... I mean, I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take anything back. I feel very happy and blessed and lucky for where I am today. If I could do it all over again, I probably wouldn't have started a blog. I'm going to be honest. I probably wouldn't have because I've gotten myself into a situation where I do, I, I put out a lot of content for free and that means that I work a lot of hours and I've had to make a lot of social sacrifices and personal sacrifices because of it. And I feel like I'm too young to be doing that. Um, so had I known that I wanted to take the path that I am right now, I probably wouldn't have started a blog, but I love it. So I guess I would have kept my blog, but in a different way, maybe. I probably would have just had it be more of a personal blog that I wrote every so often. I wouldn't have probably like, I guess, advertised it. And yeah, that's probably what I would have 
done. Not because, I guess just because the issue is that a lot of people want me to answer basically the services that I provide as a health coach that I will be providing as a nutritional therapy practitioner that are services that do need to be paid for because it's very individualized health and nutrition information, you know, as a nutritionist or as you would pay, you know, any any health professional, whether it be a doctor or a personal trainer, you know, people want that information just for free because they have a blog and I also wish I hadn't sometimes done the blog because I think that it's hard for me to separate myself out from all of these other bloggers and Instagrammers who I'm sorry don't don't know a lot of real health information or putting out really bad information because at the end of the day I don't want to be Christina Rice blogger I want to be Christina Rice NTP and nutrition and health expert actually genuinely not just oh I'm magically a health expert because I make recipes that don't have gluten or dairy in them because that to me is very different because I think that sometimes when you have a blog people just assume that's that's your job and that's what you do and that's like not the case at all you know this is an extension of my business but my job is that I'm a health coach my job will be as an NTP, a nutritional therapy practitioner, when I finish my program as a nutritionist down the line, you know, so that is my job. And I think that that's sometimes hard when a lot of bloggers run into that situation where people just say, oh, she's a blogger. Well, yeah, but also, I mean, we, we all have other jobs that we do as well. This is getting kind of ranty, but that's kind of my, I think I know for me, there was a time in my life when I was nearing the end of college where I felt like I kind of had to pick and I was trying to decide if I wanted to try and be a full-time blogger and I kind of halfway did it and I started trying to like talk to brands and I started trying to like play the game and play the game with more via like spending more time on social media, trying to engage and like going out of my way to try to build a following and I was blogging every single day of the week and when I was doing that, it, I mean, I turned into a psychopath and I hated my life, honestly. And I hated my blog and it turned into something that stressed me out and, re- and I resented it. And then I very quickly realized, okay, I can't do this. I can never be a full-time blogger because as soon as in my head it turned into, okay, this is what I'm doing for money. It turned into something I hated and didn't want to do anymore. And ever since I just said, okay, I'm just going to blog when I want what I want. And I'm going to, I'm not going to try to make any money off of it. And I just took all that pressure off myself. I started to enjoy it again. And yeah, that was kind of my, I went through that period of time. It was like four or five weeks. And then I said, okay, I can never do this. This is way too stressful. So I just, yeah. The realistic amount of money you can make. This is honestly all over the place. This is all over the place. Uh, There are some bloggers who have a really, really big following who can make five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars off of one Instagram post. There are also bloggers who make fifty dollars off of an Instagram post. It's really kind of all over the place. I'll tell you what people say in general. 
people who are trying to standardize this because it's very confusing is generally the amount of money you can charge for a post is obviously correlated to how many followers you have but like I've explained before that has so many there's so many issues with that because a lot of people buy their following unfortunately they buy likes so that doesn't even you know help what's the point of having 50,000 followers if you know 40,000 of them are random robots or people from other countries who don't actually look at your things so I just think it's silly and a silly ego boost that really gets you nowhere and companies eventually realize it but generally it's sort of corresponded to how many followers you had like I said but it kind of translates into this so say you're at I don't know 70,000 usually that's about $700 a post 50,000 about $500 a post you know once you hit 100k you can usually charge about $1,000 a post that's sort of the ballpark but everybody's kind of all over the place honestly which makes it really hard really hard because like I said there'll be people with the same following who are just charging on totally opposite ends of the spectrum and no one kind of no one really knows what they're doing this is a new space so yeah but I also want to reiterate this and remind you that there's a huge population of bloggers who are literally making nothing on any post And there are a surprising number of people who I think are doing sponsored posts who are just doing it for free. So a lot of people are just not making any money at all. So you just never know. But in general, honestly, I wouldn't bank on making your income from blogging. Like I, if you're trying to do this, I would use the blog as a way to advertise as something else. So that's what I look at it as, for example, you know, I put content out there and that for me is marketing for myself. So people get to know me and then want to work with me and I'm selling my product, which is, you know, eBooks or my own personal services. So I think that's a better way to look at it because it's just really kind of hard to get to the place where your full-time income is just from a blog. I mean, there are very few people who actually do that. Did I hire a web designer at first? No, I hired a web designer after about two years with my blog when I wanted to upgrade it. And then I did hire a web designer and then I am doing a web designer again now. But I think if we're just getting started, it's perfectly fine and easy to just get a simple, a simple template offline. And I don't think you need a web designer unless you want a more complicated website. So yeah, I waited about two years when I was kind of making it more, turning it more into a professional site. Even though My website isn't super professional, but I felt like I had kind of gotten to the place where it was time for a designer. I definitely didn't start out with that because it can be a lot of money. So yeah. Somebody also asked, how did I manage to maintain a blog while in school? I don't know. No, I do know. But I worked my little butt off and I basically just treated it like another class, like homework for a class. So in college, I was blogging anywhere between three to five times a week. And I had specific days where I had blog posts. set, So I knew I always had a blog post going up on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. 
and I would plan accordingly. So I would cut out X amount of hours each day to write on my blog and I was just very disciplined about it and I acted like it was a job even though it wasn't and I planned ahead kind of I've never been one to plan ahead I'm very different than most bloggers I do most things kind of on the fly or maybe I'll decide a few days before it just kind of depends I don't plan out my Instagram content at all I literally decide what I'm posting 10 minutes before unless like there are there are certain occasions when I I know ahead of time but on if you're asking on an everyday basis because I post every day I just decide right before I'm going to post it I don't plan out my content or like plan my feed out to be look a certain way even though most people do it that way I'm very different from most bloggers in that aspect and I also learned that from Jordan though too because you know I went into this thinking I had to plan everything ahead and approach it very businessy and I I learned from her that you don't have to do it because she's very just you know she just kind of post on the fly and she doesn't plan things out really ahead it's very authentic and real and I realized oh I can do that too and for me planning everything out ahead of time made me really stressed out and took the fun out of it for me and then as soon as I took that pressure off myself and decided oh I'm just going to do whatever I want whenever I want then it was fun again and took the pressure off so I basically treated it like a job and planned ahead and so basically if I knew I was having blog posts go out Monday Wednesday Friday I the day before always dedicated that whole night to my blog so Sundays and Tuesday nights and Thursday nights were all blogs and then any like time for blogging and photos and stuff like that and then if I needed more time outside of that I would put it in but I also honestly didn't take care of myself as much as I should have because I compromised a lot of sleep for this um to fit everything that I need to fit into a day into a day I I did not sleep enough just gonna be honest so yeah there were sacrifices I also wasn't the kind of kid who went out a lot I hated going out so I loved it it was fine because it gave me something to focus on but if you're someone who's super social butterfly yeah you might feel like you have to kind of pull back if you want to be that dedicated but you also don't have to post that many times a week at all don't feel that pressure, please. The other thing, though, is that you really should be writing about things that you're excited and want to write about. So for me, it wasn't that hard because I just loved writing my blog. I mean, I still love writing my blog, but I was excited about it. So it didn't feel like I was forcing it, I guess. So as long as you're talking about things that you are really passionate about and you enjoy, it shouldn't feel like work and it kind of should come easily. Don't make posts that you think other people want to read. Make posts that you want to write. You know, that's my biggest piece of advice. And if you're just, if you do genuinely want to write it and you're just worried about finding time, then it's about just carving that time out of your schedule and making it work. So just a lot of discipline and I mean going off of that somebody else asked how long it takes me to write a blog post on average and it really depends on the post because people don't realize how much time goes into it. So if it's a recipe it's usually faster for me to write the po- to write the actual post but everything else takes a lot longer. So for for me what I hate about vlogging is photos. I'm going to be straight up. If I didn't have to, if I didn't have to do photography or like post photos along with my blog posts, I would blog every single day. Cuz I can I love to write 
And yeah, it's just the fact that I have to deal with photos that is not worth it. And so when you're putting a blog post together, there's a lot that goes into it. So say you're doing a recipe, it's usually faster to write the recipe and write the post that goes along with it. I write posts that go along with my recipes, but a lot of people just post the recipe. That's fine, whatever you want. Um, but then, you know, taking photos, making the recipe, taking photos, editing photos, making the graphic that goes along with it, pinning it, editing all of the like backend stuff, going through if you have any affiliate links and fixing all of the links, put inserting all the links. I always think that the posts where I'm just kind of making a list like my gift guides, I always think that's going to be fast. And those end up taking me the longest just because the time it takes to go insert the links and then go back and do what you have to do to links so that you don't get in trouble with Google and, you know, making the graphics that all takes so many hours. And sometimes one blog post, and I also do take longer than most people for my blog posts. I'm going to be honest. I mean, most of my vlogs are pretty long, but they're, they're a lot faster if I don't have to do photos attached. So if I'm just using a picture of myself, that's out of my kind of stock photos, I hate pictures of myself. So I just have like a set of stock photos I put in there when I, it doesn't have to do with anything. If I don't have to do any photos, it takes a lot less time for me. But I would say the shortest it ever takes me to complete a full blog would be um, four to five hours, honestly. Usually the writing is the fastest part for me and the editing and all the, the backend stuff and posting about it and sharing like posting about it sharing it also takes time but the photography the editing just sometimes posts will take me one to two days honestly like a full day or two days you know if if I have a post in so in college when I was like planning out my time if I had a post where I didn't have any pictures or any content like I was just starting from like nothing like I'm gonna write a post about x y or z and I don't have any content to go with it already I would I would block off my entire day for it so and even longer if I had to make a recipe because if you're doing recipes you have to test it and try it and a lot I mean there are so many recipes I've had to try multiple times so that can take a lot longer as well so I usually would block off a whole day but if I'm writing just a heartfelt like I'm thinking about a topic and I just want to rant about it and I could just throw on a picture of myself that I already have that will take me probably Eh, yeah, that would probably take me like two to three hours. Like writing it usually takes me like 30 minutes and then editing and picking pictures and dealing with the back end and then posting about it everywhere. All of that takes a few hours. So that's that's about the time that I spend. But that's on an actual blog post on Instagram. Not quite as long. I mean... I don't really do anything that fancy to my photos. It takes me like five minutes to edit a picture max and then write a caption and then I just post it. But I spend more time on there engaging and answering questions and doing stories and things like that. That's what takes time. And then podcasting is, you know, its own ballpark, its own its own thing. But that's that's how long it takes me to blog. Okay, last one. This kind of goes off of what I talked about before about the authenticity, but 
Someone asked, what is my personal filter or checklist that I go through internally to decide if someone is genuine, honest, and worth following in the first place or certain things that are red flags? So very similar to what I said before. For me personally, I don't care what people are eating. Like I just don't. There are very, some people I follow because they have really good food, but it's kind of rare for me to find people who post the kind of food that I would actually eat because my meals aren't pretty. They're like messy and, you know, not most people post really like food just for aesthetic pleasure. So I like to follow people who are active on their stories and are funny and have a good personality and who I feel like would, I would just be friends with in real life and people who have a genuine following and don't act like they're entitled to things. And I also like following people who I feel like are, smarter than me in some way shape or form somebody who I can learn from in any way you know there are a lot of people who teach a lot of valuable skills I also know bloggers because I I know a lot of bloggers personally so it's a little different for me so I kind of know who who's bullshitting and who's not and so if someone's bullshitting then no I don't like people who do everything just for money and don't actually genuinely care about their followers I, I feel like you can just tell who's in it for the right reasons and who's not. And I think part of that's my own personal bias because for me, a lot of times it's when I meet people in person that makes me want to follow them. So, I mean, I'm also just more prone to follow someone who is out on multiple platforms because I feel like I know them better. I am emotionally invested in them and I care about their journey. They have something different and interesting to offer anybody I love anybody who just kind of speaks their mind and is opinionated and doesn't give a shit what other people have have to say or what they think anybody who's just genuinely themselves so that doesn't mean I follow people who only have the same opinions as me it's quite the opposite I follow a lot of people who live very different lifestyles for me but I respect the hell out of anybody who is just unapologetically themselves and who has a genuine heart and cares about their followers and is doing things for the right reasons. You know, if you are unapologetically yourself, but you're in it just to make money, then I kind of don't really care about you. <laughs> you know, I, I want people who are just nice people at the end of the day. So that's kind of my own personal, my own personal reasoning. And my red flags are people who promote items as healthy, who aren't, who I know are just doing it for money or who lie about what they eat, or what they do for exercise, or what pills they take. Red flag. Red flag. I also unfollow people who I feel like are really insecure, or who I feel like are just trying to prove themselves or compete with people. I really don't like competitive people. Um, yeah. I think that there are a lot of people on the internet who are just trying to justify everything they do, and who are really... Like I said, this comes from a place of insecurity and I I just don't want to follow people who make other people feel insecure, if that makes sense. Like I can see some of the things that women put out there and I know it's just making other girls feel insecure. Like I don't like when people post their calorie burn every day. I don't care and I don't think other people should care and I don't know why you care so much if you're posting that. Like that's that's something that bothers me and I'll unfollow that kind of person to be honest 
or i know that all these dietitians i see this on my explore page all these dietitians like post their calorie amounts and they just make people so weird with food and i just don't have time for that and i just only want to follow people who i feel like have some kind of positive message or not even necessarily positive in the sense of I'm happy all the time. No, 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 actually not that. That's another thing. If somebody is positive all the time and acting like everything is perfect and happy, I also don't usually follow that kind of person because that's just unrealistic. That's not real life. Sorry. But I think just anybody who has an actual message to share, just some kind of genuine, cool, authentic message. That is my kind of person. Okay, this has gone on way too long. I'm sorry. And I didn't get to all the questions. So if you want me to do a part two of this, let me know. And I am happy to. I hope you found this interesting. And I'm just going to kind of wrap it up here. So I hope now you learned something from this. I hope that now you've learned maybe how more about how bloggers do it also how you can support bloggers if you want to support them so you know if you want to show support use their affiliate links if you don't want to show them support then don't you know if you want to help them continue to do what they're doing then you can do that indirectly by for example supporting the sponsors that support them so that sponsors will realize that it is useful to work with them and then they'll continue to work with that person if that makes sense so for example if I am doing a sponsored post and you want to support me and you want to help me continue to work with that brand that I love so much then you could do that by giving sales to that brand or using my code or using my link so that they see the return and then they want to work with me again and that applies to every blogger or content creator and the, the good news is that the people who are genuine promote products that they genuinely love and use. So it's probably something you would want to be using anyway. So you might as well just use their link, you know, or vice versa. If you think somebody is just, if you think somebody is just bullshitting you, then don't, don't use their code, you know, don't like and comment on their photos if you don't want to support them because it's it's like how we vote with our dollar you're voting with your like your engagement your comment your you are voting with your dollar if you buy the product um so that's kind of how you can have your own voice in this community whether or not you have a blog or an instagram following whatever that means doesn't even matter every single person's voice and opinion matters so that's how you can sort of have your own voice in this space because there's a lot of us in it and I think everybody matters. So that's what I have to say. I would love to hear feedback on this comment on one of my Instagram photos or on my blog post and let me know what you think or join the Facebook group and become our friend and comment in there. I want to know what you guys think about this. And I'm very curious if this is all new information to you or if you already knew all of this, I I'm sure it's probably all over the board, but I just want to open up this conversation because I've got nothing to hide and I don't think anybody else should hide anything either. So that's just me being me. And now I have to go back because I'm looking at my messages on my computer and I have 32 text messages. I kid you not. This is why my life is stressful. Okay, I should go answer those. 
I hope you guys have a great, great rest, rest of your week. If you have a topic you want me to talk about or a question, please send it in to actuallyadultish at gmail.com or submit it on the website, actuallyadultish.com. And make sure you leave a rating interview on iTunes and or Stitcher. Join the Facebook group, Actually Adultish Podcast Nation. Follow me, Addicted to Lovely, on the gram. I'm always on stories and just gallivanting around on there. So... I had a lot of fun with this one. Sorry it was so long, but I hope you enjoyed it. And I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye.